music dance experience. Don't pervert a handbook passage to me, okay? You are listening to a Howard Plus Lorehounds production. We continue our episode by episode rewatch of the Apple TV sci fi Severance. Take a look at what's going on with the Lorehounds at thelorehounds.com and consider becoming a Patreon member. Steve, this podcast is inappropriate workplace commentary, and I'm self reporting you. <laughs> to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> that sort of enca- it sort of encapsulates that entire character, you know. Oh yeah, he's he's sort of nominated himself and and voted for himself <laughs> to sort of be the expert on the Cure Handbook. And I've I've known so many of these people in my life. I, I cannot. <laughs> like, like in the hundreds, I've learned I, I've met these people in my life. They're the worst people in the world. They're the <laughs> absolute <laughs> worst people in the world. And the you know the handbooks vary from place to place, but uh, it's always the same person. Do you want to talk about the title for this episode? The greatest tragedy of our time was the. The, the the morning the loss of the will they won't they of uh, <laughs> Miss Casey and Dylan. <laughs> morning the loss, I love it. Um, hide and seek. Mm-hmm. I like these kinds of titles. I like the kind of title that makes you think, why? Oh yeah, like I don't want to think too hard about it, right? Because right. I want my inter- I want the TV to entertain me, right? But I I do right. want there to be like a why would they? Oh, yeah, why? You know. yeah. Right. Because the thing that I found most compelling about this episode was that moment in the closet where Dylan gets switched. Right. And he realizes he has a son. And I guess, to be honest, it shouldn't be that thrilling because, of course, you know, someone, someone in this office ha- probably has a family, right? Right. Lots of people in the world have sons. So <laughs> it shouldn't be that surprising or thrilling or game changing that Dylan has a son at home. And that's the part of the episode that I was like, what? Yeah. And they knew it. Well, and that's why they named the episode yeah. that, right? Well, yeah. Cause I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of fascinating things about it. One is you get this reveal that, um, Lumen controls like you're not out when you're an Audi, and you're not in. I mean, you, a Lumen you can employee be... can come to your house, ask for you to pretend to play hide and seek with your son, expect that you'll agree with that, take you into your closet. What kind of workplace are we talking about here? This is, and so this is fascinating because it there's a lot that it reveals. One is that they can do that. Two, that Dylan's Audi was they we have so so we've only Audis we've had any interaction with at this point is uh Mark and Helly. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. And you know, Helly when she signs up and goes to the procedure and then her Audi you Well, know, we have Mrs. Zelvig, but we don't really know we're not sure. It sounds I mean the, the way that she had the conversation, um 
It sounds like she's know, in uh, an in and out. It doesn't sound like she's severed at all, to be honest. As far as we know, right? I mean, we don't know if there's a bigger bigger picture of severance going okay. on here but we but but she is a, when she's when she's selvig she's she's aware of cobell and cobell is so and it seems to be a seamless like she knows what you yeah. know, so she's uh, you know when she's going rogue or whatever she's got a plan so we've seen mark we've seen on. heli minimally we've never seen yeah we've never seen anybody i mean i guess pd but we never really saw him as an yeah, yeah any that's right maybe through some flashbacks but uh but ultimately it's you know, so so Dylan and and Irving, you know, they don't like they only exist to us as any. So, I think part of the most compelling part of this with Dylan is, yeah, he has a son, but he's also like he become now his any is aware that he has a son, mm-hmm. and his any's whole shtick, his whole <laughs> kind of existence is speculation. Yeah. Right. His whole thing, like, I must be this. I must be this. even this conversation uh-huh. about like, well, that's why he wore this this uh, nice shirt, you know, <laughs> and Hallie has to tell him, well, you wouldn't have known that you wouldn't have known to do this. like, well, maybe love, you know, transcends severance. And so he's always about the the hypothetical and, and kind of like he'd almost that's kind of what like almost motivates. It's almost him. like that's his that- like 90 percent of his thought world because he's sort of doing this mindless task all day. That's constantly what he's thinking about, right? The the muscle shows that he's winning or what <laughs> And and it's not even like you don't get the same sense of like longing. Yeah. Like you almost there's almost a certain satisfaction in not knowing. He's got and... like shorting years life, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like so, you can't so, tell me that so I'm now, not president on the outside. Right. So what we know though, and this is I think that something that is an interesting element of of Dylan's character, especially in how he operates with the rest of the crew is this has to have happened before because his Audi has had to have given Milchek access to this any before. Yeah, that's right. You don't get a sense that any of this is particularly odd. In fact, him and Milchek have a moment at the end where it's just kind of like, okay, did you get what you needed? You know, so it's like, it happens. So whether, well, at least whether even if there's happens. no switch, he has that kind of relationship with Milchek where Milchek can absolutely have access to him in that way, right? Right. Because it didn't appear like this was the first time this has happened because he, because you would have kind of got a sense of like, like, how did that work? Like, he would have had more like the, the Audi part would like if he had come in and said, look, I'm from Lumen, I need to access and like, there would have been so many more questions. But this was a he had a, he told the kid to, to go out. Mm-hmm. It's. It definitely appears that this happened before. So what this means is, is that Dylan, Dylan's any has also experienced this before. Dylan's any maybe has been in that closet or didn't or, or something. So you think that there might have been like a memory wipe situation? Well, it, it makes you wonder because he's how come he didn't mention? How come this hasn't come up in his? Mm-hmm. You know, he's it, it eternally gossiping and trying to figure out this and that and conspiracy this uh, i mean he would have told you would think at some point somebody that mm-hmm. well i mean you know they can yeah, he's not the kind of guy that's not gonna blab right so that's kind of an interesting element so now you've added this extra layer of like what yeah yeah why is why if dylan's memory is not wiped why is he being why is he quiet about it is there more to dylan than meets the eye these kinds of questions but it always seems like there was always less to dylan than meets the eye it's interesting because 
either it can have it, maybe it hasn't ha- been this intimate before like maybe he didn't learn that he had a son before maybe maybe he was accessed in a neutral area mm-hmm. right as opposed to it at the home maybe maybe the access wasn't as like urgent cuz he didn't take something you know whereas right. um where so in this case maybe it was like okay it's going to be at home so there's a risk whereas maybe before they like milchek would take the audi to like kind of a uh, maybe a neutral lumen site or something and access them and maybe that's and maybe there was no real interest or controversy it was just like he just didn't know who knows right i mean but but the idea being that the thing that's interesting is that the audi dylan knows like that's yeah that's that's the like to me that's the biggest takeaway is that audi dylan is much more in alignment with lumen than because like mark's not i mean mark sort of I mean, we, well especially now now he's has a parallel rebellion going mm-hmm. on against Lumen as is any does, you know, unknowingly. Um, so Helly and Dylan both now seem much more aware and in tune as Audis with what's going mm-hmm. on. Let me uh, read the first storyline here. So Lumen security chief Doug Grainer calls Cobell to inform her that he has identified ex-employee Ragabi, I hope I'm saying that right, as the one responsible for Peter's PD's reintegration. Mark finds PD's cell phone, looks at the recent calls, and then tosses the evidence. You see that in this scene that Cobell is has this almost shrine to Kier. Right. And she's prayerfully repeating some kind of chant, and no one's around. And so that, to me, is, I think, supposed to reveal something about her true motivation. And what right. I'm taking from that is she is devout. She's de- she's yeah. devout to sort of the religion that's created around Kier. But ultimately, I think she has a, a level of cynicism about, like, the board and maybe luminant overall or whatever. And it's almost like, yeah, I believe in God, but I know that Christianity is totally messed up kind of thing. Um, but I don't think that you could walk away from this episode and think that she's not a true believer, right? Right. And yeah, I think that's the key, right? Because we do know that she's by herself. And we do now know that this is not a severed version uh, after she has you know, that conversation. Yeah. Uh, so we go, okay, she's aware. She's, you know. At least not severed in the same way, right? Right. Yeah. So maybe there's another le- level or layer, but there's, so as Cobell, you know, very much this uh, sort of atheistic approach to life. However, she still is very much along. Like it almost feels like the, the guidelines and everything from Kier is almost, uh, I mean, it's, it's belief, but maybe mm-hmm. it feels a little bit more like corporate obedience to some, to some degree. Whereas, you know, Selvig, uh, you know, in, you know, claims to be kind of like have this Catholic background, which you may, mm-hmm. but um, but she's clearly so so religion or at least uh, a belief system is something that's obviously within her that that's in her DNA. I, so, I don't know a lot a, about. But this is a very old. Oh, go ahead. Well, and, and what's fascinating about this uh, altar, and we talk about this a few times, is like, well, when is this? Yeah, right. You know, and it seems like it's modern, kind of. But this almost gives another glimpse of like, is this, is this a manufactured reality because of how old some of these artifacts look? Uh-huh. 
or at least are made to look these these keir you know i mean it's like it looks like old timey you know uh, yeah. uh relics of of like a religion gone past but that doesn't that wouldn't compute right because this has to be somewhat futuristic in terms of the technology yeah um, i was when i was i was gonna have a conversation about the technology a little bit later but this was the first time i realized that there's probably more affinity with mormonism than there is anything else with this mm. little cult of Kier and uh not not using cult in a, in an offensive way in this case but i i'm thinking that both the sort of the colonial mystique of Kier um sort of it looks like early america kind of thing and then of right. course uh, you know, I don't know a lot about Mormonism, but I do know that the more you get into the inner circle of Mormonism, the weirder it gets. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I I think that if this isn't a direct commentary on Mormonism, there are absolutely parallels here. And she does kind of present as someone who, you know, thinks that there's something, some kind of core truth to this that's worth devoting her life to. She just she just knows that most of the corporate aspect of this is just bullshit. Um, she's willing to you know go out on her own. She 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 knows that the the board is just gaslighting her. She right. she's taken in in on, a, on upon herself to do what she thinks is right, and yet she continues to play this part in trying to I don't know cow these adult children into submission. I mean, she's, she really does present a sort of like evil second grade teacher. <laughs> right. Cause, cause I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's this, yeah, this episode really seems to uh, like, again, I think this is what we've talked about before. Like the more things get revealed, like maybe the more complex, the questions start yeah, becoming, right. you know, and like a lot of it still centers around the why, <laughs> right. But like, why does, Cobell Selvig, yeah. why, why does she do either? If if for one to exist, how does the other exist? And mm-hmm. what is her? You know, because we're always trying to figure out what's Lumen Grand Grand Plan mm-hmm. or what's their. What, and that's the whole, kind of like feels like the mission statement of the entire show now. But then there's also this like, well, what is where? What is she doing? And is she because this whole this whole episode feels like rebellion, right? I mean, yeah, that's, that's right. we're, we're we're you know we we see that. Mark is, any is full on like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to, you know, this, this Rickon, you know, wisdom is, is, is providing enough motivation to want to go further and, <laughs> and sort of upset things. And then, and then you have Mark's Audi. Um, I love that kind of, I love that Rickon's book and the punk rock banner are serving the same purpose in this world. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So it's like, yeah, but so you see him like actively being like you know and it's there's there's two there's a there's a few elements right i mean there's just the idea that pd came in and maybe upset some of yeah. this uh this concept but then he's also you know he's in a relationship or he's starting to have feelings uh-huh. again and so maybe there's a part that's like well i'm trying to remove myself from those feelings and and then but then we find out that you know cobell is has been rebelling to some degree or at least going rogue yeah 
and uh you know we, we see irv mr self-reporting but he still you know he finds his way in the in the plant room yeah know, he's and, sort of talking himself into like uh you know maybe touching lips could be something other than romantic you know right yeah right, right. doesn't have to be romantic sort of a and then a, a cure dry hump situation yeah exactly <laughs> yeah right uh yeah and then um uh, yeah. <laughs> then Dylan, you know, and then Dylan steals something and, and that feels a little bit on brand, but then we kind of, it almost flips at the end because then Dylan, at least his Audi, mm -hmm. uh, kind of narcs, you know, or at least is, is, uh, allows himself to, to be a part of that. Right. So it's like of all of the, the, the people that you thought might be a little bit more, um, you know, uh, more inclined to sort of keep these and again obviously the Audi and the Innie are not communicating but like the Dylan as a whole is sort of a part of of revealing what kind of is going on I mean it's and there's always this other mystery that goes along like how do they not know everything that's been going on because it seems like they know most everything but yeah. do they know everything you know they they have so many things filmed why are they getting away with anything and I think that that's I think there that is going to be a problem going forward. Well, I'll I'll say this to the spoiler section. Next storyline: Irving and Bert admit their feelings to one another, but the former admits he's not ready to commit to a relationship. Mark and Helly flirt. Dylan thinks that he's in love with Mrs. Casey with Miss Casey. <laughs> um, I so interesting that you've got these almost three sort of will they won't they storylines of varying levels mm -hmm. you know it's like clearly irving and burke bert both love each other right or they're both attracted mark and heli both do like th there is some kind of flirtatiousness but neither will admit it right and then you've got the dylan miss casey thing which is totally delusional Wait. Clearly manufactured, yeah. <laughs> Clearly, so this is all in Dylan's head. It's again with Dylan and the inability to accept reality, right? Uh, which which sort of makes the reality check in the closet all the more profound, right? Uh, you know, even <laughs> even within your, you know, any personality, you cannot accept reality. Um. <laughs> And I am absolutely buying the chemistry between Irving and Bert. Yeah, I agree. And which is kind of amazing because I feel like I've been watching these guys as sort of alpha male, hyper heterosexual projections on the screen for 30 years or whatever. Right. I mean, even if they weren't portrayed in that way, I feel like I've got a long history watching these two actors in various roles. So to make me believe in their chemistry is, seems like a big deal. It is impressive. And it feels pretty authentic. You know, it feels sweet. It's so authentic um, that you believe it almost despite the fact that they don't kiss. It's yeah. like, a, you're not ready but just stay here with me. It's it's almost like this. It, it it's sort of like old old person romance. <laughs> you, you yeah, know? Well, yeah. It's right. like I I'm not really into all of the the fluids and the squishiness, but I just kind of need a companion. Right. <laughs> yeah, old person 
yeah. old person romance, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause it is, and, and it, but it is like this. I like this idea too, because it's, I think we've talked about this before too. It was like, sometimes office romances come up just sort of by virtue of, uh, just sharing space uh-huh. and sharing this much time and like having having common experience whether it's good or bad and like kind of almost forming allegiances beyond mm-hmm. uh something romantic and then you know maybe something romantic can come from it and then you take this other aspect of these people's only existence these versions of these people is at work there is no mm-hmm. uh no play there is no well i go out and i hang out with my significant other like this is where you find this is if you're going to find romance it's got to be it's going to be touching lips amidst office plants right <laughs> so you have so non-romantically by the way <laughs> well then you have the other element of like how attracted to each other is anybody in in this I world talk about this. <laughs> because your options are so limited and you don't and not just options of people but uh. just options of interaction and and any kind of activity i mean these guys have no <laughs> no escape so i was i was gonna say this is sort of like my small town third grade classroom when i decided that i might be interested in girls but they were only i only mm. knew like five girls and so it was like oh, i guess i'm gonna have to marry one of you you know <laughs> right yeah yeah you just sort of go it's it, it feels very much like i don't know it's just it, it just like well okay well she's with him i guess oh boy so that leaves her i guess i'll have to, we'll have to learn to love each other or i mean i i can only imagine that it's even heightened when you're gay because what are the chances what are the chances that right. irv is gonna find love in this weird office setting it seems like a thousand to one, and he happens to find one that's sort of as devoted to the handbook as he is. It's just like star-crossed lovers. It makes me wonder if there is some sort of sur- survivor-esque casting process that's happened for this place. Oh yeah, interesting. Like, like if if my theory that they are the experiment holds water, then why the why were these people selected? You know, maybe there is some sort of like, well, let's see when that, you know, let's, you know, you got people in lab coats watching. When are the two gay guys going to hook up? Right. Um, I mean, just the the sheer amount of stuff that we don't know about this show is baffling. Right. Yeah. And it's it's a credit to the to the directors and, and everybody involved that that you can watch a show that has. It feels like it has a cohesive narrative, right? I mean, like at least in terms of, we know what. And we, I'm hooked. I'm in. What, it's not, it's not like the mystery oh, yeah. is sort of like, like I felt like with Westworld, like all right, there's a mystery, but I'm never going to solve it. So why why am I sticking around, right? Right. In this case, I'm I'm almost rooting to not solve it. Like I feel like because <laughs> I I they're talking about you know we always talk about Lost when because I, I I get nervous <laughs> like don't. Like don't feel like if you don't feel like you've got a good explanation, just don't. <laughs> I'm I'm enjoying this this ride with these people, and even if the commentary mm-hmm. is just like it's it's not ours to know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, 
All right. So Devin has an awkward exchange with the woman she met at the birthing retreat. And Rickon's book spouts misinformation about Latin etymology. (laughs) (laughs) You sure? (laughs) I I happened happened to know this. I have a little bit of expertise. Camera. (laughs) And it's all sort of like Glenn Beck logic. You know, it's kind of like, well, all right. It's from the Latin camera, which is a device you take you use to take pictures, and usually you're taking pictures of your best friends. So that's where camaraderie comes from. (laughs) Constellation of three unrelated ideas. I'll just put them out there. Um the interaction between Devin and this woman Gabby, this kind of blew me the blew me away the first time I saw it. Cuz yeah. for me this was the first time I thought, "Oh, geez, like either she's gaslighting her or this woman has had some other kind of severance procedure." And then that kind of expanded all kinds of possibilities. Um, right, because I think at this point we are still sort of operating under the impression that there's something magic about the building yeah. <laughs> and or the sure. elevator, right? Like that's where it's all set up. So the idea being there's a, there this is where it happens. Severance happens in this building for whatever purpose. Yeah, like you it, can kind of convince like, yourself that, well, it's just kind of a quirky friend group that, that Rickens created and that's why it feels weird, right? Or right. maybe Miss Cobell is just a psychopath or something. But this was the moment that was like, oh, there's this this is so much bigger than I thought it was. Yeah, and then it's it compounded when you find out like, oh, they can just you can just access their any at their house. <laughs> and that's part where you're like, Oh, okay. So this is once you're once you're chipped, it's mm-hmm. it's just up to Lumen. So that becomes pretty pretty wild, right? And that is, and that really sheds light on the the whole experience and why it was so odd the the exchange when Devin runs into this woman at the at the birthing mm-hmm. cottage. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting that the whatever like you don't even call them innies and outies. I don't know, right? Because I mean. When is this? This person is obvious. So, did this? Does this person only get severed during childbirth? And that version of herself is um, thinks that the child's a different name, or she, her whole entire life is pumping out babies. Yeah, and she when the, in that cottage, she shows up. She's shown up three times. Her now. entire lifespan has been a grand total of like thirty hours, all in various stages of childbirth. Yeah. So, okay, so there's a little irony here that I never got until this episode is that the entire purpose of severance is to keep your work at work and your, you know, your your life in your home or your life outside of work. But in reality, what the severance procedure has done is that now Lumen has total control over your home life as well. Right. And so the so the work life balance is a is a complete lie, and it's an ironic lie. Yeah, work life balance is whatever work allows. Because Lumen Lum at any point Lumen can come into your house, tell your kid to do something, take you into a closet, force you to give up the goods. Right. So. Right. 
Yeah, it's wild, and it's a wild. And then it it does now start because I just just getting that glimpse of of Dylan's, you know, closet, and and you go, well, so why why did Dylan get severed? You know, like because then those because we we understand why my Mark got severed. We don't understand why Hallie got severed, but she was pretty willing and she was pretty geeky about it when she was first going in, and they seemed to make a big deal about her specifically. Uh-huh. Um, but Dylan, you know, he's got a kid. He's got a full closet so he seems to be doing okay uh <laughs> i mean just the, uh... before the kid walked in i could just imagine like he was gonna make a meal out of that closet you know he was he was gonna try to take a, a mental snapshot of all the clothing and you know whether or not it was neat yeah. or whether it was it was cluttered yeah, what are the clues it's full of clues it's full it of was clues. full of clues and then of course the biggest clue of all runs in you know yeah, and I love the uh, the imagery choices when he's watching that uh, Felix the Cat uh-huh. cartoon. And it's like the first thing you see is the uh, the lightning bolt uh, cut the cloud. Oh, I missed this. Yeah, so the first image you see is this lightning bolt like acts like a saw, and it cuts a cloud in half. And the cloud is like a full-on shape of a brain. Right. Okay. So it looks like the brain is being cut in two. It's great. It's a great oh, choice. I miss, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. After learning Miss Casey was sent to the break room for failing to watch him in Heli, Mark has Irving introduce MDR to O&D, where he calls for the departments to work together to uncover Lumen's secrets. Milchek finds them and sends Mark to the break room. This uh, slow-mo walk to O&D, I, I just laughed really hard. Oh, yeah, I it, love it. It was like... You know, it's like you know, classic needle drop, slow-mo, badass walk. And it's like, these are just like four dorky office drones mm-hmm. walking down the Gonna hallway. Gonna go talk to another department. <laughs> not, walk, not walking to the, the, the boss's office to quit. No, no, yeah. <laughs> just walk. not about to make a not to make a big reveal, but just like, hey, you know what? We're told we're not allowed to walk in the hallways, and we're going to anyway. <laughs> it really this this episode really had me thinking. Like these guys are total children. They're yeah. The, the, even the ways that they rebel are 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 chi- very childish, you know. And and what's what's the goal here? The the goal is they want to map out the campus, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are you thinking? I know it's so it is it is great and it's super effective and it's like just brings back all these uh you know just I don't know, it, it reminds like like all this like breakfast club yeah. you know and things like, you know that had all those kind of vibes and and it, yeah you're yeah, right it's, it's like, like the- but that's it so talking about the romantic stuff like but like hey they're they're limited in their interaction so it's like they're sort of limited in who they can fall in love with it's like they're also limited in the kind of things that are like interesting to do <laughs> you yeah. know and i love to the point where baby goats might be a euphemism for sex <laughs> why would we choose baby goats mm. <laughs> it's like oh no i believe you <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, Dylan is is like he, this. This is like feels so much like his episode, right? I mean, just well, here's he's awesome because he's he's the classic conspiracy theorist who knows that there's weird stuff happening with the higher ups. He has no way to figure out what it is, and his mind just goes mm-hmm. wild. And it's almost like, yeah, that instinct is right, right? The government is doing shady shit. But it's usually to like 
make sure that billionaires pay less taxes. You know, it's it, th- right. that's the kind yeah. of shady shit we're talking about. Like it's plenty nefarious. It's just boring. You it's, having it's, to invest. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's nefarious and boring, but it's, you know, we get, we give the government way too much creative credit. <laughs> um, the laminated how to cards with some kind, some kind of martial art instruction on these i i guess it looked like it's so funny cuz like it totally looks like workplace stretch um you know placards that we'd have all around because there's like it well does. we're getting a lot of people injured so what we need to do or like how is to show perform cpr or something but it's like karate <laughs> yeah yeah, as long as you have those, then OSHA will get off your back. Be like, well, no, 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 if they're hurt, that's on them. This they was, didn't do the stretches. This is the missing scene from Kill Bill Two, where Beatrix <laughs> Kiddo takes the laminated how-to cards away from Pi May's <laughs> monastery. That's right. <laughs> because maybe she forgets how to do the one-inch punch or whatever. That's right. Everybody, everybody needs the the, the five-finger death blow or whatever it is. But you know what? I always forget the order. So it's like having Nintendo Power help you undo the Contra cheat code. My flashcards to remember to remember the the order. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I take the bus. I just flip through my flashcards just in case. <laughs> <laughs> um, more. So the break room is an interesting yeah. element this time because we find out that the break room has maybe multiple ways of dealing with insubordination because, uh. Uh, Mark's knuckles. Oh, I was just gonna, yeah, I was just gonna get to that. All right, so Mark goes on a date with Alexa, who is Devin's midwife, to a concert by Petey's da- daughter's punk rock band, and sings along with anti-Lumen protest songs. So yeah, on the date, Mark has knuckles that look like they've punched something or someone, right? Mm-hmm. Or they've been wrapped, right? That's interesting. I took it as so that, he yeah. he punched something. I I didn't. Hmm. Do you, and you took it as maybe he was hit on the knuckles. I took it. I took it as you know, like old school taking rulers to the knuckles. Interesting. Okay, hadn't thought about that. So that's an interesting that you have the punch thing because it's like you. Do, I mean, I don't get it. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it too. Um, but whatever the punishment was, either he bucked against it yeah yeah and caused a punch of some sort punching somebody or something or it was a physical punishment this time as opposed to a psychological because one. he's he really does have a rebellious spirit right and he's going to a, the break room and i i mean my in my head canon it was like on the 300th time of reciting the confession he gets upset and you know hits the wall or something um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess they could have hit his knuckles with something. Huh? Yeah. But anyway, this all, I, I, the way that this is framed was whatever, whatever it was, it happened in the break room. Right. Um, hmm. hmm. And the, the, what's up with the long, narrow hallway to get into the break room? I know you have to, I mean, it's, it really puts puts it on you right you gotta you've gotta go and navigate this so it's like it's it's it just builds up extra drama as you're making your way you know, it's, yeah it's there. almost like it's like you're 
you've got to walk this long, narrow hallway that you only walk. It's only lit this way. It's only this shade of green. You only walk that 100 feet when you know you're about to experience torture, basically. So right. it's almost like designed to put you in a enclosed or entrapped mental space. Yeah, that's fascinating. And then and then what's it's interesting that he has to pass Miss Casey. So Miss Casey so was Miss Casey done or was it just Mark's turn? I mean, how, Yeah, it, I mean I I mean I got the sense that Miss Casey was in there and then she just as soon as she was finishing Mark was entering, but I yeah, it could have been like, no, go home for the day. You were going to pick this up tomorrow. Yeah, Miss Casey has such a, uh, like, just everything about her feels so blank. <laughs> you know, it's so fascinating that she almost feels, you know, like an android. Well, and maybe it says something about the amount of hours that she's awake. Because I, I think at some point there is some mention to a part-time Lumen employee. Right, and also Petey had mentioned something about uh, Lumen employees that never leave. Right. So you don't, like, so that's kind of the other part is, like, I'm trying to figure out what does O&D fit in? Where do some of these folks fit in? Like, is the goat guy part-time? Is the goat guy? Or... Well, what about this? I had never thought about this before, but what if, what if you're severed and they just shift you from department to department? Mm, so you're there all the time. How would you know? You wouldn't know, right? Right, right. Yeah, no. You could work the night shift. So Miss Casey may have another job in Lumen. She might have a night shift. She may have a night shift. That's, that's so horrible. You imagine. Like, uh, oh, gotta go. Got gonna go home, get some sleep, go through the elevator, <laughs> back to work. <laughs> time for your night shift. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, that's brutal. And that and that would fit Petey's description, right? People will never leave. Yeah. So yeah, no, if she was if this is her quote unquote part time job and so she's her only lumen hours are, you know, two hours a day or whatever, then she would seem a little bit like a blank slate, it seems to me. Yeah, and so that's you know, we see all these people with personalities. And Miss Casey seems to not have one. Mm -hmm. I think we get like a little bit of a glimpse of it when, you know, she's dealing with some of their insubordination. Um, like there's maybe more fear as opposed to anything. Like, cause I mean, like everybody else is so rich with personality. Right. I mean, uh, Irving, who's the oldest one there, like he still has a very unique, uh, you, know, you know, now that you mention like that, I feel like there may be some kind of almost multiple personality thing happening with her. Because when she's doing the wellness check, she's almost presents as a little bit like, um, like rigid. You know, she kind of comes across mm. with a soft voice, but she's she's very strict about the rules. And then when she was supposed to observe heli it was almost like she was a like a deer in headlights or something yeah yeah no she had she the the, the confidence was gone yeah like, that's right no I, yeah that's again it's like the more we start to to see the more we get it you know like Whoa. well the, what's great is that with a show that's this well crafted you would imagine that these choices are intentional 
mm-hmm. know, I, I would never think, well, that, you know, clearly the actor hasn't figured out that person's motivation. I, I kind of feel like every detail is so well placed that it, I, I kind of have confidence in the showrunners that these things are intentional. Right. And I think that's what makes all of that. And I think that's the other part of like when you talk about uh, like the Westworld. I mean, never learned this. So I'm kind of checking <laughs> out. Whereas in this case, it's like I feel like everything is a breadcrumb. And and I don't even care if at the end of the day, I've just got a pile of breadcrumbs <laughs> and I and nowhere to go with them. But I'm just like because everything uh-huh. like you said, there's an intentionality. And and if one thing leads to the next thing, great. You know, and I and. Uh, I'm really along for the ride. All right, let's talk about this date. Now, okay, first off, like I really want to believe that Alexa is a legitimate person. Like I, I want to believe that she has good intentions mm-hmm. and not like a under undercover person trying to do something nefarious. Um. So just as, let's just assume that she is an authentic date that has interest in Mark S. Right. What does okay. she see in this guy? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah, he's he's right? he's, a, he's broken half the time. He's a jerk. He doesn't remember. He didn't remember her. He didn't remember her name a couple times. He's keep he's talking about his dead wife. Like, what is what is the appeal here? So that's so that's and again if we're looking at all these different you know clues and Easter eggs and go well I mean there seem to be a lot more people in the outer world but if there's something to be said for like well maybe there's maybe this world is kind of small um, like we're talking about office romances and not a lot of options I mean brings me right back to Devin and Rick and like what like, why does she like him why. Right. This is just a little so, town populated with tons of women with bad taste. Yeah. I mean, it feels like that a little bit, you know, because, I mean, it's just, it's an odd, uh, <laughs> it's an odd one. <laughs> All right. I want to talk about this punk rock band. Oh, yeah. So, I feel like really convinced that this entire town is severed in some way. Like, everyone in the town. Like, Lumen is like, like everyone from the press to the politicians to the punk rockers are, have created, have hinged their identity on an opinion about Lumen. So this just seems like, you know, Lumen is the religion. Lumen is the thing that you're rebelling against. It's like, it's seems like the biggest corporation. Like it kind of feels like it funds the town to some degree. Like, like, like Lumen's Lumen's massive. It's not just massive. It's massive in a way that feels very sort of fishbowl. It's mm-hmm. like there are punk rock bands devoted. Like their closer is a bad song about <laughs> Lumen. Right. All right. So anyway, I feel like this is the the best proof yet that we're dealing with a sort of a fishbowl town kind of thing. Right. Yeah. It definitely feels like that. That's all I have to say about the punk rock band. <laughs> okay, Devin later learns that Gabby's husband, uh, Angelo, is a Lumen-backed state senator who supports legit legalizing severance. Cobell as Miss Selvig 
gets close to Devin and Rickon by acting as their lactation consultant. Um, I'm glad I finally know what the kelp was for. <laughs> Rickon said the kelp worked. The, the kelp is to bring you better luck as, as you're looking for a lactation consultant. <laughs> <laughs> I Unreal. just I, I don't feel like I got enough Rickon in this episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we have it's fascinating that she's a lactation consultant, right? And and I'm wondering if there's supposed to be if this is another clue. Um when we think of nursing, we think of baby goats being nursed oh, and not ready. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So there's something almost makes me like, is there you know, is this idea of experimentation now coming in a little bit more into light and like everybody's baby goats, different levels of readiness or something? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I like that Rickon thought it was necessary to interview several possible lactation consultants. Right. Make it clear. Hey, look, you're just one of them. <laughs> He's just just wants to be transparent from the get go. <laughs> gotta love that about Rickon so alright so I'm, I'm interested I, I'm really interested in sort of the time question and so I'm always kind of looking at what kind of technology they have available to them so I was like looking well what kind of search engine is she using to search who her who this person's husband is mm-hmm and of course, you know, usually shows like this, they they will not show you Google because, you know, Google wasn't one of the sponsors and you don't get anything for free right, or whatever. Right. And sometimes they'll come up with a fake search engine. This time they didn't show you any search engine, but it's interesting to me that the top results were like the Cure Chronicle. Mm, yeah, yeah. Which, again... No indication that anyone in this town has access to any information in the outside world. Right. Yeah. So it sort of feels like, well, wait a minute. Is this, this is clearly, I mean, cure matters, right? We've seen it. We, we saw that she has a shrine to him in this outer world. So he's not just like a lumen thing. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, you know, and then. So, but for him to be this central of a figure, even in a search engine, right? Su- suggests suggests a presence. <laughs> so, yeah, and I don't know how far to take this because you know they have cell phones, and so unless they like they there's a cure sponsored cell phone good... company or something, but 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 they don't have no, smartphones. They don't, and they don't. I mean, so that's an important thing because. There's the technology where you can drill into someone's brain while they're talking and see it very clearly with Mm -hmm. high definition X-ray. So there's a technology that is beyond ours right right now, presumably. But their cell phones are old. It's like perpetually 1999 in this world. The computers are old that they're using in VR. So... It does suggest, but like, but then again, there's this laptop, right? Well, and you've got, and you've got, you know, advanced brain neuroscience, right? Yeah. The idea that, that nobody has a smartphone is a little weird to me. It is odd. Huh. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. Milchick briefly... Especially especially for an Apple TV show. <laughs> you think that you could get... I mean, you know how many times you see an iPad or an uh-huh. iPhone in Ted Lasso? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good Lord. It's true. Rebecca's laptop has its own credit. <laughs> Milchick briefly wakens Dylan's innie inside his Audi's home to locate uh, a card Dylan stole from O&D. Uh, leading Dylan's any to discover that he has a son. And I think we've talked a lot about this uh, bit already, but I, I bet, I guess I should point out that whatever that stupid how to laminated karate card was, it was important enough to take this extreme measure. Or right. is it just like so, any contraband? I, I, yeah, that's what I that's what I couldn't quite understand. Was it that something left, which is also kind of striking, isn't that? Sort of pokes a hole. I mean, I understand there was no messaging on it, and supposedly that's what the elevators can detect is is uh, things. Oh of that yeah, because it was you just would think an that image. These, but you would also think that these things would also have some sort of detector that would say anything from inside cannot go outside. Yeah. So it does poke a little bit of hole in some of the security. Right. What the heck are these cards? Like, is this sort of to foster <laughs> the the animosity between the groups? Like, just in case you need to use self-defense, macro data refinement are a hostile force, and it might be good for you to train your employees in this weird cured weird cure martial art or something. Right. <laughs> Milchek was pretty rude to the kid, you know. I mean very rude to the kid. And then as soon as he swaps over again, he kind of like puts on his fake Milchek smile. Yeah. So I think we get another glimpse of Milchek's kind of his his psychology. Man, this guy's just evil. All right. Finally, Grainer tells Cobell where Rigabi is. Cobell orders key card locked door to be installed at the enter the entrance to MDR. Later, Mark retrieves Petey's phone and answers it. Rigabi asks him to meet in person at a nearby university. Grainer follows Mark. It was really hard not to just jump right to the next episode. No, it was, that was very hard because it was really, really finishes in a way where you're like, well, crap. <laughs> oh, man. What a, what a great episode. Great episode. Um, do you want to do some spoilers here? Yeah, let's have that conversation. Okay. All right. Here's something that I, I'm puzz- trying to puzzle out here. It seems that most of Milchik's information and spying involves like a video camera. Mm -hmm. Like he he knows that Dylan stole the card because he saw it on a video camera. Which is pretty deep. Yeah, I mean that. And. You know, he he did it pretty slyly too. So obviously they're watching very carefully and rewatching. Cobell was able to find where. Mark and Helly went in the office because they went into a, a, 
you know, that sort of abandoned office space. And in addition to that, we have several scenes with Cobell spying on Mark. So that tells me, or maybe it's deceiving me or whatever, but this severance technology can't read your mind. It mm-hmm. can't te- it can't tell Cobell what your memories are. Yeah, it's not uploading. It's anything. not uploading anything. But it so given the you know the final episode of the season, you know they they have like remote controls for some of these people, right? Um, yeah. But whatever that technology does, it it is not a spying technology. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a, sort of an interesting, and then it kind of begs the question like why is your neuroscience technology so advanced and your spying technology about what you could access in 1999 right yeah that's a that's a very good point because it does there's an incongruity there um but yeah so then you go well well, who's who's spying? Who's really doing the spying? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Is there like an office? How many levels of spying, too? You know, it's, right. is it like the, the, the 10th inner circle? You know, the innermost circle? They, they've got access to everything. And and so you've got even the person that's spying on Cobell is, is being spied upon. Right. Like is Milchek being spied upon as much as anybody else? All right. So anyway, that's that's all I had for a spoiler section. Did you have anything that you wanted to? Not really, because I mean, I mean, obviously, the Mark's Mark's interest in Miss Casey's well being is is interesting. How much height for somebody who seems uh-huh. to be being a little more smitten with Helly, you know, just due to office romance or with the next best thing, he's still very concerned about Miss Casey, and it doesn't make a ton of sense as to why <laughs> outside of outside of potentially Dylan dropping a little bit of unknown knowledge, which maybe love transcends severance. <laughs> I like baby goats as a euphemism for sex. It's such great, <laughs> such a great choice. <laughs> oh my gosh. Another fantastic severance episode. Yeah, no doubt. Things are going to heat up from here on out. Is it the Franco the Beans? <laughs>